Welcome to the Faithfully Nourished Podcast. I am your host, Brooke Razi. This is the podcast where we discuss all things functional health, nutrition, and living in a way that God designed you to function and feel in your body. We're going to have conversations around your hormones, nutrition, and all the things that can influence the way that you are feeling as a modern day woman, trying to get back into connection with your body, your life, and living fully in alignment. I'm so happy you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome back. I'm here today with somebody who, if you hang out with me, shouldn't be a stranger, is Colleen, who is one of our practitioners. She's the one who I'm going to for my mold stuff. So who better than to have on the podcast to discuss it today? It's interesting because when I started sharing about us finding mold in our house and in the past when I've shared about mold, there's a lot of questions that come in around this because it's something that I don't think gets discussed as much as it should. And while it may not be the case for everyone, it might be something that you need to be aware of. So we're going to talk about it today and answer some of the questions that we've had come in, some of the common questions that even I've had myself and really help to be a resource for you that if you suspect that this might be something you need to dig into, we can have a conversation at the end about the best steps and routes that you should go to really see if this is the next step that you need to go down. So without further ado, hi, Colleen. Hello. For everyone who has never met you before, can you share a little bit about your experience (laughs) and what, you know, led you to what you do now? Oh, gosh. That's quite a trail there. So my background is in clinical social work. I spent a lot of my career working in hospitals, inpatient psychiatry, medical, outpatient, hospice, you name it, kind of circulated through the medical world and really just could not take anymore the the level of people that were continuously coming through on repeat and not being treated and not being seen, not being heard. And I experienced that in my own medical journey. And so took a little deeper look, switched over to nutrition, went to NTA, furthered my education after NTA with RWS, just finished up level four. So I'm all done with their program and really just building in every single aspect of nutrition and how that supports our body from a preventative place, but also really gets down to that root healing that's led me here. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I think we can speak to it. The further you've gone down in your education, especially down a functional path. I mean, we are nerdy and we find it fun and exciting to like dig <laughs> further and further, right? But at the root of it, a lot of it comes back to simple things. We want to get super complex sometimes and we want to think that we are the most complex situation to ever exist. Um, <laughs> But more often than not, even myself included, that comes back to simple things that we might be missing still. Yeah, those foundational steps are more important than any of the deeper stuff that we could really ever get to, because none of the deeper stuff is going to matter if those foundations are not in place. Which is interesting because I, you know, knowing it, but undervalue it too, being a human, right? And then going into a mold protocol, my personal journey, if you guys listened to the last podcast episode, started with discovering that mold might be an issue after doing a couple GI maps. And you know, the similar situation kept coming up. I would feel a little bit better from a GI map. 
doing a protocol and then all of a sudden those symptoms and things would start slowly coming back and there were certain certain markers that we see on a GI map that were just not improving and mm -hmm. I was super resistant to thinking that mold could have been an issue and I remember a different practitioner asking me if it was and I was like no I don't think so because in my mind there wasn't anything that was glaringly mold in my world so i just assumed it wasn't and when this trend kept coming up i started to have to look back and i was like oh actually some of those situations probably were mold and that's what led us to the mycotoxin testing right and seeing what was actually present in my system was really more of the root issue so sometimes we know when we're starting we can be resistant to some of those things but we need to dig deeper but even still going through more pro protocol colleen and i have discussed a lot of it comes down to your body really being able to handle some of the things that you need to do to get rid of mold. And there were still some foundational things that I have to address in my own system for my body to be able to handle going through something like that. So can you discuss a little bit about like the steps and processes that someone should really maybe consider before just jumping into a mold protocol? Oh, absolutely. It is really the mold protocol eradication piece is the last step. So it's very different for anyone who's gone through a protocol before you get blood work done or you've had a GI map and you see these are the things that are impacting your system. We're going to take care of it. Mold is a whole different animal. And the first step is really knowing what you're dealing with. So making sure that you are finding out what's happening, whether this is in your home, your work environment, wherever, what kind of toxin you're dealing with, and then making sure that it's completely eradicated within that space. So avoidance is a big, big piece of this because you cannot heal in an environment that's already making you sick. So we wanna make sure that we've identified sources, we've identified locations, we've either removed ourselves physically from the work environment, the home environment, whatever that is, and really reducing that toxic load that we are experiencing. From there, it's nourishing and supporting. Your body has to do so much to manage mold and the toxins that that creates within our body. It impacts every single system of your body. And so we really have to just nourish that body, bring it back up so that it's strong enough to go through an eradication protocol and just strengthen it overall. This could be, you know, we often think supplements, but this could be a lot of different things in terms of making sure our water is clear our air, this might be air filters, you know, avoiding plastics, avoiding toxins in our cookware and, and foods and things like that, but also adding in different types of supports through supplements to strengthen the body and our gut health overall before we go in and try to remove the mold from the body. Can you differentiate, you know, mold when when we say mold, I think people sometimes imagine that there's like legit mold in their system when that's not really the case. So one of the things that you would test for if you suspected mold would be mycotoxins. Can you really differentiate what is mold and what's a mycotoxin? Yeah. So mycotoxin, mycotoxins are toxins, just like the name implies, but these are metabolites of mold essentially. So they're, they're secondary, secondary byproducts. So when we have mold, it gives off mycotoxins. And that is what we are breathing in. That is what our body is storing, holding on to, trying to kick out, impacting our, our immune system. So it's those secondary metabolite, metabolites produced by the mold. Okay. When you're looking at mycotoxins, what's the most common way to test them? 
So there's two different ways. There's a blood test that really looks at our immune system response to the mold and how much it's impacting our immune system. And then the most common is the mycotoxin panel. So this is a panel that we'll actually look at and it's very straightforward to read. It just looks at different types of mycotoxins that could be put out by the mold that you're experiencing that your body is responding to. And you can see how high those levels are, what is present and what is not an issue at all. And then that helps to navigate what course of treatment we would go through. When you have someone who, when you say like set up the environment, right? When you need the body to be in a good place, I think one of the really important things to keep in mind when we say eradication, essentially eradication means like detoxing is what we're asking your system to do. And eradication means getting rid of whatever pathogen, right, is there, whether it's something in your gut or is it, it is a mycotoxin or something along those lines. What we're trying to do is get rid of what's there. And I think it's important, you know, when she emphasizes like your system has to be set up properly, if certain pieces of your body's natural detoxification pathways, for example, are not functioning at their best, you can sometimes feel worse when you're going in, or we could make things worse when we're going into these protocols. So it's really important, like we said, starting with a GI map, for example, right? Making sure that your digestive function is in a good place, making sure that your liver health is in a good place. You're moving about the foundational needs from your system in the right manner so that your body can handle the intensity that can sometimes come with pulling out toxins and trying to get them out of your system. When you look at, you know, someone's environment, if someone's listening and they're like, well, you know, I don't know if mold is actually an issue or not. What are some of the biggest or most common places that people would find molds or that they should look for it? Yeah, great question. These can be in a number of different places, and we've definitely seen with our own clients, this could be a work environment, and this could be your home, sometimes even your car. If you've ever had any sort of water damage in there, you don't change your air filters, you could even find it in there. Most commonly, we'll see it in the home in areas like bathrooms where there's water. Bathrooms are the biggest source. Heating ducts or your HVAC system is another area. Oftentimes, you'll see that around the vents or near the, the HVAC unit. But even for you, Brooke, that was around your windows. That was a cracked window cell that, that started growing mold there. So they can be in a variety of different places. If you notice there's standing water outside your house even, and it's, it's up again, like right up against the house, there could be something that's impacting, you know, getting in to your walls and things like that. So it can be in, in a variety of different places, but primarily you're going to see it where there's water. Um, for us, when we had mold in our rental unit, it was um, a leaky water line from the fridge that had leaked all the way behind the, the kitchen cabinets. So every single one of the cabinets was getting water damaged and then growing mold from there. I don't think it's always something you're going to smell too, right? It can have a musty smell. And I think when we, we imagine finding mold, we're imagining finding like, you know, what you see in like the worst case scenario pictures of like, there's just black mold, just like soaking through something when the reality is that's actually not, I mean, you can find it right like that, but like, that's actually not the most common way that we see it found as well. Yeah. And with water damage, mold can begin to grow in as little as 48 hours. So we often aren't visually seeing what is there or smelling it right away, but we're still being impacted by it. As the problem continues to grow, that's often when people catch it because then they can visually see it or it's becoming more of that musty smell, but that doesn't necessarily mean 
that it's not there if you're not smelling it. How can you, you know, test to see, I mean, we can share, right, what, what I'm doing in my house, but what are the most common ways you would suggest someone test and like how often should they test their house to just be sure that it's set up properly or catch it early if it is? Yeah, so the what I recommend is if you're moving into a new house, definitely have it checked before you move in, even if it's a new build, because as we know, that's not always, <laughs> yeah, that's you, that's not always the case. And you don't really know, you know, especially when houses are sitting there in rain and things like that, various stages of that home build can be impacted by it. So working with a mold inspector is going to be your best bet because they're going to get in just like you would see in a home inspection where they get into like all the little nooks and crannies. They're going to do the same thing for a mold inspection and they're going to get into all of those little areas and make sure that something is not present or if it is, they can do that test and see kind of what's going on. From there, you would want to move to a remediator. So you wouldn't, you know, if somebody's saying, I can inspect and take care of this for you, run, you're going to want to find somebody who can do you know, two different people, one that's inspecting and one that's remediating. So when you're moving into any new new house, whether it's a new build, previously built house, that is an area where I would say check. And then, you know, if you're smelling something, seeing something, I would absolutely have a, a, an inspector come back out, you know, at that point and see what's going on. Yeah, we had, I mean, I obviously physically saw it, but we actually spoke to a remediator and he said the same thing. It's something I never really thought about. He said, I do the remediation, but you don't want me to be the one to come in and do the inspection. You want somebody else who maybe we network with, but to, to have somebody else come in and do the inspection because the mold inspector is going to come in and find the mold and write up what the remediation protocol needs to be. And then someone like me comes in and actually gets rid of it. He made a good point. He was like, it's not really ethical for me to be the mold inspector and the remediator because I could write up the best, most expensive remediation protocol in the world and you may not actually need that. So yeah. I think it was a right. great point. One of the tests that we're doing in our home too, that you can just run yourself if you want to, you got to keep in mind that you're probably not going to be able to interpret it is if you've ever heard of an ERMI test, E-R-M-I by environment. Envirobiont, I don't know how to say it, Enviro, you can do, it's very challenging sure. to interpret, uh, you swipe it. Now keep in mind that the mold that comes back on this test may not necessarily be mold that like you need to be freaked out about or do anything about because it's going to test just overall air in there. So sometimes doing something like this is okay, but you need to know what you're looking for because you, it could be a symbol of a solution of getting air doctors or something like that in your home just to make sure that the air is filtered properly. But there's also another one, the one that we're using in our home is real-time laboratories, which will also text, check for the mycotoxins and things in the air in the um, home as well. But again, that's not going to tell you specifically where the mold is. So if you just want to know and you're just curious, those are great tests you can do. But if you really suspect that mold is an issue, you need to have a mold inspector come. And really look at it. And it also goes into the cost because those tests, you know, are going to be at a much lower price point than having an inspector come in. But like you said, you know, you're not going to get specifically, okay, there is mold in the home, but we don't know where it's coming for. With that inspector, you're going to get a very targeted analysis of what's there and, uh, you know, where, where exactly it's at. So it's something to consider. All of those are good options. It just really depends on if you know it's there and you want to save the cost into the army and put that money into the remediation, that's a really good option. Yeah. 
in our case, we know exactly where the mold is, right? So I know what's coming in. If this was a case where I knew there was mold in the home, but I didn't know where, I would save my money and put it into a mold inspector and have someone come look in that case too. Because you're going to have to spend the money for that person to come in and look anyways. And the test, the real-time laboratories is about $400. So they're not cheap at the end of the day either. No, they're not. And then you couple that with like an army or something like that, you know, you, you can get it, it gets pricey after yeah. after a couple tests there. So I know there's a whole host of signs and symptoms that people can have, <laughs> you know, from mold toxicity, essentially. I can share some of mine, but I think it'd be good to maybe go into like, if you're wondering, you know, what are maybe the signs and symptoms that you want to look out for? And what I want you to keep in mind is that one of these may not be mean, like just because you have one doesn't mean you have mold toxicity in your system. We're not diagnosing anything here. That's not what we do. But I want you to keep in mind that if you, like you're checking yes to every single thing that we're listing off, then that might be a sign that you need to pay attention to something and dig a little bit deeper because you got to keep in mind symptoms are universal. The individual issue that can come into play is not necessarily, but for me, I was getting fibroids specifically in my right breast consistently. I was getting, I was having like ADHD type symptoms, very hard to focus on things. Brain fog was setting in pretty often. One of the most annoying was recurrent sinus infections or just like constant runny noses, felt like sniffles and things like that consistently. One of my most alarming ones was getting dizzy and having like blackouts and things upon standing up quickly where I would have to grab onto something, um, especially when you're a mom with young kids. If I was home with my kids alone, that got really concerning for me. Um, I always at first just kind of related it back to like, well, maybe it's my hypothyroid or I have low blood pressure. Those are not normal things to experience with either. Weight loss resistance was stuck where I used to, I was doing the same stuff that like after our first daughter, I would be very easy. I was feeling like I was having to fight my body to maintain stuff. And then one of my bigger ones was, again, we kind of discussed in the beginning, I did a couple GI maps and things would improve, but then things just kept coming back. Yeah. And then one of the other ones that I was starting to wake up to was I was getting swollen fingers. Like they were like sausages in the morning. My rings weren't fitting. My body was just overall inflamed and would hold weight very easily. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just even hearing those symptoms too, oftentimes we wouldn't connect that, you know, to one specific thing, but that's really when you look at the pattern here of, okay, we've addressed the janitor, we've done this, and it's not really getting better without at the time, without knowing that there was mold present because you didn't, you know, it, it can feel very frustrating. It can really feel like, you know, you're losing your mind a little bit sometimes if you're not sure what's going on. The symptoms are truly all over the place for different people. The most common that that we will see is the sinus stuff. You know, this could be a chronic cough, this could be chronic sinus infections, drippy nose, <clears throat> different things like that, that, you know, really are not resulting with anything like antibiotics or daily supports and stuff like that. But you can also get joint pain, morning stiffness, memory is a big thing too. We see a lot of brain fog. It's hard to find your words, it's hard to remember things. Headaches can be another one. 
Also fatigue, you know, your body is going through a lot with mold. And so oftentimes people come in with some sort of chronic fatigue type symptoms, weakness, things like that. The vertigo and lightheadedness, yeah, like the, this is another one too, where we could look at, we, you could go down so many different avenues of what is causing that, but it is linked to mold illness. We do have a questionnaire of goodness. I don't even know how many questions are on this, but it's something that we, we will give to clients when we have a suspicion that there's something deeper going on and there's some sort of like mold or toxin illness. It's the Krista mold questionnaire. You can actually Google, Google it and pull it up. So, you know, you can even just see what some sort of things are on there. Some of the things you might not think of are alternating constipation, diarrhea, coated tongue. You know, sometimes we look into fungal overgrowth first on that, which they do go hand in hand. We often see them together, but not necessarily, you know, changes in your menstrual cycle, balance issues, asthma, different things like that. Even symptoms related to anxiety can pop up when we're dealing with mold, mold illness. So like nervousness, low mood, depression, things like that. So it can really run the gamut, but that's also why we ask a lot of questions and we dive really deep and we test to see what's going on. Yeah. It's interesting. You say the mood too, because those are things I never really associated with it. I would just kind of look at like, well, I'm a business owner. There's going to be anxiety that comes with those things or I'm a mom. Right. And I would just kind of like dismiss it. Mm -hmm. But I had said to my husband, I was like, I'm feeling like I'm almost getting a level of depression, which is not normal for me. I was like, I am overall, like our life is great. I really don't have anything to be depressed about, right? Like there's, there's a lot that we have to be grateful about. And I was like, it's almost like I'm mad at myself of like, why am I feeling depressed when there's really nothing for me to be depressed over? And all like, you know, me doing all the breath work and the yoga and trying to move myself through it as much as I could, wasn't moving myself through it. And mm -hmm that was when I really had a sign of like, there has to be something else going on because I'm doing all the stuff and I'm still feeling this feeling coming up pretty often. Yeah. And it's, you know, they're toxins at the end of the day, when we're, when we have mycotoxins within our body, they're toxins and they are really going into every area of our body. And our brain health is a big piece of that. Our gut health is a big piece of that and they work synergistically. And so if there's, if there's, toxins impacting one area and it, it it's going to impact the other. And, and that's also where, where our neurotransmitters are made, utilized, all of that. So it is a really common symptom to see the low mood, the anxiety, the brain fog, all of these different things that oftentimes get brushed under the mental health category, but we can actually look and see that there's a, a reason for them to be there. If somebody suspects that they have it, what first steps do you feel like they should do? Like what should be their next kind of like calling to it. If they know that there's mold in there, we go through that inspector and remediation piece that we talked about reaching out, you know, working with a practitioner like us that we know what we're doing, how we can get the testing, what we can address. The very first step is making sure that you're out of that environment as much as possible and then having it addressed and moving from there, getting in touch with somebody. When we're working with someone too, one of the first things that we're always going to start with is one, having you fill out an inquiry form so we can just start to get some background information. Like we said in the beginning, just jumping right into, you know, a mold protocol is not necessarily and it actually is majority of the time not where we're going to go. We need to jump into, like we talked about, the supports and things that need to be in a good place first to make sure that what is there is successful. It's funny because I had somebody a couple of weeks ago when I first started talking about the mold message me on Instagram and say, you know, I just did some random, you know, functional physicians 
protocol kit that they have created on Instagram because I know I had mold illness. So I just did this thing and she's like, and I feel worse. And I was like, yeah, unfortunately, while there may be good intentions behind those generalized kits being created, they're not individual. So they're not going to address the things that you need to do to move through them. So unfortunately you may spend a few hundred dollars on one of those kits and it's probably not going to address everything you need. You want to make sure that sometimes the investment, especially if we want to get rid of something like this, is going to individually work through what your individual body is needing addressed first to make sure that getting rid of it is successful. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different supports that we utilize with clients who are going through mold illness and not all of them work for everyone. So sometimes it is a little bit of trial and error to say, um, you know, this detox pathway needs to be supported in an X, Y, Z way, or this supplement is going to help with this thing that we're seeing on your testing, but we have to go slow yeah. and see how your individual body reacts to whatever it is that we're, we're looking to support to get you feeling better. But that is the goal. And that is the outcome is that, you know, you do end up feeling better after all is said and done, but we want to address it in the proper order and make sure we know what's there, what we're dealing with avoiding it, strengthening up that body so that it can kick out everything and opening all those pathways up and then going in and kicking everything out. Perfect. One of the questions we got, we asked, you know, common questions when it comes to mold that you guys have. So we'll answer all these before we close it out today. One of the questions I got was, can mold travel with you? So you guys all know we lived in a townhouse that had mold in it while we were building our brand new house. We built a brand new house, hoping we would never deal with mold again. And here we are, <laughs> but can mold travel with you? Yes. Unfortunately it can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a common one where if I just move from one house to another, it's not going to come with, but those mold spores, those mycotoxins, they get into nearly everything. This, this often is your clothing, your bedding, mattresses, and like fabric furniture is the biggest one. There are some workarounds, you know, ideally you would want to be replacing all of these things that can get incredibly overwhelming, you know, but there are certain cleansers and options that we recommend when working with people to help minimize some of that. You know, you can wash your clothes in a certain detergent and things like that. But yes, if you are taking, say, a picture frame that has mold on the back and you're moving it to a new house, that new house is now going to start developing mold on the wall as you hang that up. Same thing with blankets, clothing, things like that. You can actually, when we moved from our rental into our new home, our garage, we kept everything in the garage that needed to be treated and we do cycles of laundry and you could just smell in the garage, the mold that was in there. And it wasn't until everything was starting to get cleansed, washed down or thrown away that we were able to, you know, not smell that musty smell anymore. Yeah, we are currently in the process Luckily, I know I caught the mold very early in our home before it, you know, got into the walls and things like that, but we still are going through and having, there's someone local who um, does an organic remediation and is going to come and fog the rooms and get rid of it, but I'm still going through washing. There's a four phase process. We're essentially going through and phase one is washing all of our blankets, all the loads of clothes and all those things with the EC3 washer and then washing it all with borax and then washing it all with our uh, standard detergent that we use and then drying it all. And it's a little bit of a process, but it's going to be necessary. And it, I've already noticed a difference even when it's, without the mold being there, washing our bedding and things, even just the smell and how I feel waking up in the morning from sleeping on it. 
Yeah. And your bedding and clothing are truly one of the most impactful because it's physically on your body as you move through the day. And then you're sleeping on that mattress, that bedding, things like that. So it can feel overwhelming to, you know, if you have significant mold damage in a building to think like having to get all new mattresses, but you're on that for multiple hours every single day and, and breathing that in. So it really can impact your healing process if those things aren't properly treated. Yeah. One of the other questions I got was about kids. Can my kids be impacted if I am? Yes. Mm -hmm. So my sign with Lucy, our daughter, who's six, was she started developing this cough a few months ago that was just kind of like dry-ish, but you know, it's a viral like season where more viral things are up every kid in our neighborhood I felt like had the cough so I just kind of ignored it as a viral thing until it was there longer than I thought it should be and I took her to the doctor and they mentioned something being asthmatic which she does not have asthma I don't have asthma my husband doesn't so that was a red flag for me that sent me on the search for mold in our house but you have to understand with kids this is why even just like you know, using more low tox things with kids and watching what's in their food, the food diet conversation, all that. Kids are like a sponge and mm -hmm. their bodies are way more susceptible to things. So sometimes you may see those signs and symptoms sooner in your kids than you do even in yourself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, oftentimes they're behavior related too, because they don't understand what they're feeling. And so they'll, they'll act out and you'll, I'll hear people say, oh, their behavior changed sort of overnight or they weren't like this two months ago kind of thing. And that's a big red flag too, that it's not necessarily a behavior issue, but there's something impacting the, the way that their body is functioning that yeah. needs to be addressed. Yeah. We, one of my signs was my son waking up consistently through the night when we had previously gotten him sleeping. And then my daughter was not going to the bathroom every single day, all of a sudden, and just had this like distended belly looking before even the cough started coming in. And then that plus the cough was more of my red flag. And you have to remember that kids can't always explain how they feel because they don't know how to put the words to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the other questions we got was if you suspect it, you know, there's like finding remediators and things are a dime a dozen. You can find them everywhere. So somebody asked about mold dogs and they've heard about like dogs that can come in and sniff out mold and find it in your home. So I'm curious, is this something that you've heard of before? I have not. You know, there are several resources that I have for mold inspectors, but none of them are canine. So I, you know, I would have to look into that more, but no, it's not something that I've heard of. <laughs> out. I mean, they use dogs to smell for a lot of other things. So they do have a very strong yeah. sense. So maybe, you know, it could be worth, but I still would have somebody, you know, even if you find the mold or they come in and find the location, I guess would probably be the best way to use them. You would still need somebody to come in and write a remediation plan of what mm -hmm. needs to be done, test and all of that as well. So if you're wondering if it could be something in your home, it may not be a bad, you know, investment to have something that can come sniff it out more than you could. Mm-hmm. I would assume that if there is a canine trained in that, that it would be paired with a trained inspector as well. So that would be my thought. But. 
All right. So we'll cool it for today's episode, but if you have questions or you're curious or you suspect that any of this might be you and you just want to figure out how to start feeling better and work through this, when we work with clients, we work through an individual path. Everything that we are going to address is going to be based on you, your home environment, your life environment, you know, past history, what your goals are and what you're currently feeling and symptomatically what needs to be addressed. So the best next place to go would be to fill out an inquiry form that we have linked in the bottom. Colleen, we, you know, each of our practitioners specialize in different things, but Colleen is who I'm going to go to when I have deeper questions beyond the general thing. She's doing my mold protocol and she's going to be an expert in that area. So if you have something like that coming up, then working with Colleen and partnering and figuring out what's going on would be the next best place to go. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for Colleen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode on the Faithfully Nourished podcast. We hope this conversation has filled your spirit with inspiration and encouragement. Remember, taking the next step in your journey towards nourishing your faith as well as your body can be a powerful decision. If you're ready to deepen your connection with yourself, your body, your faith, and explore the possibilities that lie ahead for you in feeling your absolute best in your skin, we invite you to take that next step. Head over to the link in the bio and fill out an inquiry form, which is your first step into taking the action you need into gaining the clarity and accountability and feeling the way that you have truly desired and God designed you to feel in your skin. Your story is unique and we cannot wait to help be a part of your transformative journey. As we wrap up today's episode, always remember that you are deserving of joy, purpose, and fulfillment. Keep nourishing your faith and don't hesitate to reach out. Until next time, we'll see ya.